It's Monday. It's February 17th. And the word of the day is pettifogging, which means placing undue emphasis on petty details. Using a sentence, Chief Justice John Roberts warned both sides of the impeachment trial that they should avoid pettifogging, just in case anyone was planning to delve into petty minutiae like documented evidence and witness testimony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Fuck, I wore this thematic hoop skirt for nothing. (laughs) I gotta start looking up the words. (laughs) Not for nothing. You look fantastic. Thank you. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, we'll take a sad, sorry look at the state of our union. The Oscars will be a parasite for sore eyes. (laughs) And Andrew Torres will be here to explain how he rigged the Iowa caucuses. (laughs) Ooh. But first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are fellow skeptic rats, No Illusions, and Eli Bosnick. Gentlemen, Rush Limbaugh just got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, so... That'll look nice for the open casket. And listener Heath E. donated to Modest Needs and wants a roast of Rush Limbaugh while you still have the chance. Yeah, quick while we can. Okay, um, Rush Limbaugh was literally too racist for the NFL on multiple occasions. (laughs) Right, A a league that has a team named after a racial slur whose owner refuses to change the name despite (laughs) the wishes of both the fans and the players decided he was too racist to own part of a team. That is the bigotry <laughs> equivalent of being underdressed for a Walmart. <laughs> mm. uh, Rush Limbaugh looks like lung cancer got him. <laughs> <laughs> he does, though. Yeah, no, you really have to feel for lung cancer's family at a time like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. Listener Heath E. got his money's worth on that. In our lead story tonight, instead of getting removed from office for bribery because he's a briber who bribed, Donald Trump is still the president. According to Donnie Jr., his dad got acquitted just like O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Yep. And yeah, he did, Donnie Jr., that's true. Yeah, they were witnesses in O.J.'s, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that meant Donald Trump Sr., was in charge of delivering the State of the Union address last week. So we got to watch an hour and 18 minutes of technically true little snippets surrounded by implied enormous lying. And also some regular old-fashioned just direct lying. And of course, some aural masturbation of a bald eagle. Of course, you're going to get some of that. Mm -hmm. And then it all culminated with Nancy Pelosi Allegedly performing a felony act of paper tearing. So I get uh, TLDR. That's the state of the union. That's that's America. That sad little short story I just gave you pretty much sums up America's politics. There you go. Okay. I I mean, you left out the Oprah style. You get a husband. You get a husband. Everybody (laughs) gets a husband. But sure. Yeah, that does. Yeah. And by the way, for the record. Uh, some of us also got to not watch that instead. There was <laughs> good move. Yeah. yeah. So I was planning to do a complete list of all the lying and all the implied lying, but there's an election in November. We don't have time for that. Right. So yeah. I'll sure. give you a handful of highlights, starting with one of those truthy-ish snippets that turns into a lie when Trump stops talking without 
adding any context to what he just said. So according to the president, the USA-Mexico-Canada agreement was, quote, the first major trade deal in many years to earn the strong backing of America's labor unions. Um, not adding except the unions that did not back it. Right. And yeah. also not adding the only reason some unions backed it is because congressional Democrats forced me, Donald Trump, to add some stuff about labor rights to the thing that I was trying to get labor unions to back. And and, and can I just say I am so fucking sick of reboots and remakes every year. Can't anyone in D.C. come up with an original trade deal anymore? <laughs> Jesus. NAFTA 2, Electric Boogaloo. Let's do right. it. Yep. And moving on to some immigration stuff. At one point, Trump claimed, quote, in sanctuary cities, local officials order police to release dangerous criminal aliens to prey upon the public instead of handing them over to ICE to be safely removed. And exact quote. Um, first of all, I don't picture the mayor of Los Angeles telling the LAPD, uh, go ahead and release the foreign criminals. And, uh, clarification, make sure they prey upon the public. Right, is yeah, what no, I want exactly, to happen exactly. after you release them. Also, none of that happened with or without the absurd directive about praying. Those cities just don't hand over people to ICE because that would be a fucking war crime. Criminals from other countries are handled like any other criminal in sanctuary yep. cities and other cities. I mean, this week ICE tried to arrest a guy in plain clothes and then shot his brother in the face when he tried to stop what was very reasonably assumed to be a kidnapping. So, you know, like any other black criminal is how they treat him. Yeah, them. yeah. I mean, this whole story is about... One of those any other criminals that got to go on and give the State of the Union address. So let's not be too broad. <laughs> yeah. Trump also addressed his plan to help the environment. Uh, not that there's anything going wrong with the environment or any sort of, you know, alteration in the global, uh, in the meteorological milieu. There's no <laughs> nothing like I started to say or ended saying. He literally refused to use the phrase climate change completely. He would not say that during his talk about the environment. But the United States will be joining the One Trillion Trees Initiative. We're not going to agree to reduce any carbon emissions by, no. you know, not burning fossil fuels. But a trillion fucking trees. Get excited. So just for context... We produce about 5.8 billion tons of carbon emissions a year. That's what we did last year. And we'd need about 371 million acres of trees to theoretically balance that out. Also, not really how it works. Uh, e each tree isn't like, oh, look, a carbon emission. Anyone got that? <laughs> no? Cool, 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 cool. No, no, this one's me. I got it. I got it. Nailed it. Mm, yeah. We canceled them. Let me finish that math here. Average forested acre contains about 5,500 trees. So the aspirational goal is to plant less than half the trees it would take to balance out just the U.S.'s emissions in a single year globally. <laughs> yep. Great stuff. But then those trees hire two other trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some MLM tree stuff. Maybe that would be better. All right. Well, now moving on to the 
traditional lying stuff. For example, Trump said, quote, we will always protect your Medicare and your Social Security. Always. And unless he thinks that the second always somehow cancels the first one, that's just so obviously the opposite of true. Even Republicans yeah. know that's a complete lie. And they don't like it. It fucks up their whole message. So they didn't even like that lie. Also, as of this recording, he has proposed cutting $300 million from those programs. So... I don't know. I kind of want to know what Trump thinks protecting means, right? Yeah, I, I I do love that he's leaving Medicaid out now, though, right? Like, like even he can't bring himself to tell that lie anymore. <laughs> I know he can, and he will again. <laughs> and also regarding health care, Trump claimed, we will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Again, literally the opposite of true. And again, Republicans didn't like this line because it's not even a helpful lie for them. Their voting base likes the idea of, you know, sick people working themselves out in payroll. Well, like, no, to be fair, though, like I get why you would favor the pre-existing conditions in your legislations when you suddenly realize that you're a goddamn cancer. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, not great on healthcare environment. Nothing, nothing. It was terrible. The whole thing was terrible. And here's the craziest part. You can check on these lies so easily. Plenty of news sources have a dedicated team for pointing out lies by Donald Trump. But half the country doesn't care. And on top of that, you get people from both sides of the aisle trying to claim that the fact-checking team for places like the New York Times is part of a deep state conspiracy. This whole thing is crazy. Like, we honestly, we need a live fact-checking thing every time he talks. Like, they, they press a button, a siren goes off, some flashing lights, and he gets muted for a few seconds, and the country gets to hear, nope, lying in real time every time he talks. We need that. I don't know. Like, maybe some secret words and some green slimes, like a, a game <laughs> show situation, so idiots with no attention span can watch. I don't know. We need something better. Okay, lateral thinking, we have a woman of color tweet his lies so that that half of the country will be super skeptical of what he says. <laughs> oh, there you go. We get AOC to start tweeting yeah. it. All of a sudden, the takedown pieces, they don't know. She pulls out in the middle. It's like Lucy's football. Oh, they don't know what to do. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. And just one other detail on this. And this is possibly the only moment I enjoyed, but in a really depressing way. So part of Trump's big conclusion was a list of great Americans throughout history and listed right next to each other were Abe Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, two great Americans. But I guarantee that Trump had Stephen Douglass listed there until someone forced him to change it. He was clearly thinking about the Lincoln-Douglass debates, you know, great people on both sides. And listed those two names back to back. And Tall Tyler found out. And he spent the next month being like, Frederick Douglass. I need you to repeat it back to me. <laughs> Frederick Douglass. Say it. Say Frederick I, I, Douglass. I feel at least mildly confident that Trump was not thinking of the Lincoln-Douglas debates at any point. <laughs> Probably doesn't Why know Why would a are. car be in a debate, Heath? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Come on, he's from the party of Lincoln. He knows at least that much. Mm. <sighs> All right, well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Policy Genius. Hey, Eli, have you seen my. Halt. 
imminent danger. Um, Eli, what what is what is this? Oh, hey Noah, you like it? I call it Predictatron three thousand. Predictatron. Yeah, I mean, you can never be too careful, and Predictatron puts it at a, let me see here, one in four chance that you fly into a murderous rage. What? That, that's ridiculous. Mm, I mean, you did just stop using your nicotine patch, so... Th- that's fair, but look, Eli, you can't use some fancy computer to avoid accidents and mistakes. That's why there's Policy Genius. What's Policy Genius? Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You can save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, they also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. Wow, that does sound easy. It is. So if your science fiction dreams for 2020 still haven't become science fact, don't get discouraged. Get life insurance. It takes just a few minutes to find your best price and apply at PolicyGenius.com. Policy Genius. We'll always get the future wrong. Better get life insurance right. Now, how about we get some Chipotle? Halt. Imminent danger. Wait, are, are we going to get in a car crash or something along the way? No, it just does that every time I eat. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And we're back. Next up in headlines, non-English speakers made the best movie of the year for the first time ever. Really? Good job, guys. Yeah. In the 92-year history of the Oscars, (laughs) people who didn't speak English made the best movie. That's crazy. Parasite won Best Picture, and as a reward, we gave them... A tiny golden statue. So you're welcome, Asia. You are welcome. Yeah, but don't get too comfortable. Trump will definitely have tariffs on movies from China by the end of the month. And that will definitely include movies from the (laughs) South Korea part of China. I promise. Yeah, for sure. Did you guys see the red carpet interview where the chick asked the director why he decided to make the movie in Korean? (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that. Oh, it's my screensaver. It's just the pause. <laughs> and then his translator translates that into Korean, but she's still waiting for an answer um, anyway. <laughs> let me translate that for you. Slap in the face. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, everyone was not as happy as we are. Right-wing commentators have dubbed it the affirmative action win, saying pretty much exact quote. You know, those first 91 times when English-speaking people made the best movie, that was fair. And true. Yeah. But this one, this one right here, <laughs> bullshit. Next thing you know, they're going to have fucking Asian people at Harvard in it. Hold on. I, <laughs> I, I confused myself. I'm not even being racist. Right? I don't I got both directions on it. I, I mean, to be fair, I, like, I'm sure even the right wing bigots can agree with us that they fucked up that year. They gave it to Forrest Gump, right? We would have rather see a Korean yeah. movie win it then. Come on, Pulp Fiction. God. <laughs> now, of course, this isn't the first time the Academy has come under fire for its alleged bias. In 2015 and 2016, the hashtag OscarsSoWhite was trending in response to the Academy's failure to nominate any minority actors for Oscars either of those years. Yeah, mm. right. Now, luckily, though, the Academy heard them, and and so this year they nominated one. <laughs> one! <laughs> Right? Yep. What? Like, two of you count a guy from Spain as a non-European, yeah. well, I guess. People yeah. of color who act finally stepped it up. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. God. Good job, guys. 
Answer Get the Denzel call. Denzel back on there. You're obviously slacking. Either way, I think we can all agree this historic win is for the best. And I, for one, as a woke liberal, look forward to seeing the next foreign film that wins Best Picture in another 92 years when they've earned it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and in name your virus after a better beer news tonight. We're recording this episode in advance, thank you, because the three of us are going to be in California this weekend for a live show, and Heath and Eli went the easy route of covering stories that are already plenty dusty. The State of the Union address isn't going to grow any new lies over the next few days. It's it's too late for even Warren Beatty to change his mind about the Best Picture winner, but for my story, I had to go out on a bit of a limb. I had to make a bit, make a bit of a prediction here. China... Still hasn't gotten that coronavirus thing under control. I prefer Dosaki's virus. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and despite the, their petulant reluctance to let anyone else help them control or combat this disease, they are now bitching at the rest of the world for not lifting travel restrictions fast enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about this, China? You first. Yeah. You lift, you lift the giant <laughs> quarantine bubble over Wuhan and all its buildings and people and businesses, and then we'll stop worrying about the very dangerous epidemic. How about that? How about you go first? Uh. China's like your friend who just went through a messy, horrible breakup during which they were a massive piece of shit, like he threw a snow globe at her at your company Christmas party, and now he's asking you to set him up with someone. Like, what? Yeah, no, right, China. Right. No. <laughs> All right, so let me be clear here. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, as of then, the death toll from the coronavirus just ticked into the quadruple digits. I think it was over 1,100 when I last checked. And more than 100 people died in a single day for the first time since this outbreak began. Uh, and while it does appear that the growth rate for the infection is slowing, A, it's growth rate, <laughs> and B... We're taking the word of a guy who bans cartoon characters for looking like him when we say that, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the meantime, from a distance, a lot of their efforts at combating this shit look fucking insane. Like these building-by-building -building quarantines where only one person is allowed to go out and shop every three days. Like, why would that person have coronavirus on the other two <laughs> days? It just doesn't even make sense. But, but, but from what I'm seeing so far, nobody's eager to take China up on this offer to ease travel restrictions. Yeah, and meanwhile, Trump's plan is to schedule April to happen as yeah, normal. Yeah, that is. Actually, it is, yeah. Apparently, the world climate in April is going to kill the coronavirus. And... I, I'm sure there's some actual science about this and, and there's some little piece of truth lost in Trump's commentary. Like maybe April in Wuhan, China is likely to be hot enough to calm the outbreak. But I need Donald Trump to have exactly zero involvement in this. That'd be nice. I, I, I can't tell what's real. Yeah. <laughs> as much as one jokes about Trump causing a nuclear war, I think we can all agree that he's more than capable of not containing a plague, so... And he spilled a vial of coronavirus that he was playing with just now. I'm sure he just knocked <laughs> something over. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it's important that every story about coronavirus that's you know coming from a U.S. source be accompanied by this part. Here we go. Going out on another one of them limbs before this airs. The death toll from coronavirus in the U.S. remains zero, right? Unless you count the death of that little tiny shrivel of decency our nation still had before Wilbur Ross listed boosting American jobs as one of the upshots of coronavirus. But to be clear here, <sighs> as of the time of this recording, 
there are 13 confirmed infections in the U.S., most of which are in the state that we're voluntarily going to this weekend. And while it would be really fucking funny if I contracted coronavirus when we got to L.A. on Thursday and then died from it right before this episode was scheduled to air on Monday. I started to laugh and you said died. All right. That's not going to happen. So tell your silly ass cousin to calm the fuck down. Motherfuckers can't get this excited about getting their goddamn flu shots and the flu kills more than 12,000 people a year. And speaking of how much smarter we need to get, we should take a quick word from our next sponsor this week, The Great Courses Plus. Okay, uh, what was the GDP of Australia in 2013? Hmm, one million dollars. Super duper wrong. Nope. Hey, hey guys, what are you doing? Oh, studying. For what? For life. Haven't you heard, Noah? Knowledge is power, so I am memorizing as many facts as I can from both Snapple Caps and trivia websites. Eli, I don't think that's the best way to accumulate knowledge, bro. <laughs> okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, then what is? Well, how about The Great Courses Plus? What's The Great Courses Plus? It's a streaming service that lets you unlock unlimited access to objective, reliable, fascinating information on virtually any subject. Really? What kind of stuff do they have? Anything you want to learn more about. History, literature, computer science. With over 40,000 five-star reviews on The Great Courses Plus, you're guaranteed to find compelling content. Hmm. You got a recommendation for me? Sure. How about the brand new course, Fighting Misinformation, Digital Media Literacy? This course delves into the ways information can be manipulated and why the wiring of our brains makes us susceptible to that information. Plus, you'll learn various techniques, tools, and skills to verify the massive amounts of information crossing our paths every day. Mm, That does sound good. All right, Noah, how do I sign up? Well, for a limited time only, our listeners can get unlimited access completely free for an entire month. Start your free month trial at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. Uh, All right, Eli, one more, though. Uh, Four plus four equals... Eight, dude. Eight. Way too slow. Yeah, too too slow. And we're back. And next up, we're going to take a look at the Democratic presidential field and how everyone's doing after the first two big events of the year, the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. And joining us to break it all down is our optimist primary special correspondent, Andrew (laughs) Torres. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks, Heath. Uh, uh, sorry I'm late. I was busy setting up my basement as a sanctuary city for assistant U.S. attorneys who need to escape from D.C. for some Yeah, reason. right. We'll so. need a little underground railroad <laughs> yeah. for them pretty soon here. All right. So uh, let's start off simple. First question. I'll direct this at Andrew to start, but everybody jump in. Who was behind the conspiracy in Iowa? Andrew, go. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Look, I, I just want to point out, I literally got hate mail on my show for pointing out the fact, the fact that votes are counted and reported by Democratic precinct workers who then call those results in to the Iowa Democratic Party and not, I don't know, Donna Brazil. So, uh, no, I'm not going to answer this one. Sorry. Pass. Interesting. All right, you're too afraid. I, I I think it's obvious that Russia is behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. You meant the fake conspiracy that isn't real, not who's actively providing information on social media to discourage edge voters the way they did in 2016, provably. Oh, um, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Hillary Clinton is 
behind Iowa. Oh, see, no, I was going to go with Betsy DeVos and then, like, everyone else who's ever hold, held that job since they're the <laughs> people most, like, chiefly responsible for us not being a bunch of fucking idiots. So. Yeah. <laughs> Two votes. Yeah. Uh, in fairness, just throwing out all the theories, we learned from Rick Wiles that it might have been the gay Israel conspiracy. Could That's be the, true. There was gays. that. Gay Jews. Yeah. Uh, what? Okay, I'm just confused. What was the thrust of these conspiracies? Bernie... And Bernie pretty much won. I mean, Buttigieg won by a tiny bit, but Bernie was like the big victor who's, you know, I think the most likely to, to go on from this with a victory. I've learned long ago, man, I don't wander down those fucking roads with them, right? <laughs> as soon as they start putting their push pins in yarn, I'm like, wait, what are you trying to say happened? Let's start <laughs> there. And when they say I'm just asking questions, I tell them I'm just telling them to fuck up. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I... I that's how far I got, and then yarn. I guess the answer is yarn. Yep. Great. I I, th I think I understand. I don't want to say understand. That's the wrong word. Yeah, okay. But I, I, I think, <laughs> I, think I, have, yeah, I think I have tracked down yarn from pushpins A through Q, and it, and it goes something like this. See, Bernie Sanders was about to win in Iowa, uh -huh. and this was something that the establishment can't handle, never minding the fact that Bernie Sanders has led in every poll there for the past month, yeah. so they've had Probably a lot of time that. to get used to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the DNC, in cooperation with the lizard people and the reverse lizard vampires. Lizard people, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, wait, they have reverse vampires now? Yeah, they give you blood. Yeah. They're, the, <laughs> they're active. Yeah, they're active in the day and they go to bed early. Daywalkers. Right. Shit. Um, <laughs> they they got together and decided to gum up the results and also pad the Buttigieg results so that you didn't have Bernie Sanders narrowly wins Iowa caucus just like everybody expected uh -huh. be the headline Tuesday night. Okay. And then the yeah. reverse vampires just um, they don't have as much power profit. in New Hampshire. They profit. You you wait they, and then you wait. They wait and they <laughs> profit, but they skip. Oh, I'm New sorry, Hampshire? you're asking why okay, I'm I'm sorry, I thought you were still we were still tracking down the, the point of conspiracy there. Oh, but yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, well, once you rig the results once, I mean, you couldn't, if they, it would just be bad taste if they tried to do the same thing. <laughs> well, well maybe it's that they saw that it had no goddamn effect whatsoever, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, shit, this was not oh, very well like thought Oh, it's like 13 versus 12 delegates. We didn't really do much. Oh, All oh. those dead one, one delegate out of 2,991 that we <laughs> yeah, managed to exactly. swing? Not a big yeah. deal. Interesting. All right. <laughs> well, uh, more generally like to get everybody's take on the Iowa results in general. Assuming they're legitimate, we'll just go ahead and assume they're real. What were the pros and cons in, in your head? What do you guys think? Oh, uh, okay, uh, pro, the whole country now takes Iowa as seriously as it should. Uh, <laughs> con, we found out how much of the nation is against paper. <laughs> really strong showing yeah. against paper. Well, I feel, I, I feel like it was all pros here. Like I feel like... You know, if we'd made it easy on ourselves in the general election, there would be no suspense. Shows like ours would get boring. So I like the idea of elevating our two least electable remaining candidates. It's a bold move. Yeah. Not necessarily the one I'd have gone with, but it's... Yeah. Tulsi Gabbard might be more electable than... It's fine. It's fine. No, it's good. It's good. I think we're doing great. I, I still... I should say our least... Our two least electable candidates, I should say. I, I said that after Andrew Yang dropped. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Still, congrats to Bernie. I like... Oh, man. Anyway, okay, sorry. I'm interrupting. Andrew, do you have some pros and cons of Iowa? 
yeah, pros. Uh, now everybody, including the candidacy that was successful in 2016 in the primaries, pretty much only because there were caucuses. Everybody now seems to understand that while caucuses are like fun and cool and you get to stand in a gym and talk to your friends (laughs) and all of that, that like they're super fucking stupid. And if we're the progressive party that are designed to get people out to the polls that may be like, hey, on a Tuesday night, you have to stand around from 8 to 11 p.m. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Probably not the greatest. No. That's a big pro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Agree. Why? What was the advantage when they first came up with this? Did people think this was good? Do people still think it's good? Is anybody arguing in favor of caucuses still? I, I seriously think the argument is it's a way of prioritizing strength of support. Right. Yelliness. It's a, it's a let's let's get the yeah. yelliness yeah. as a factor that weighs into the well, decision. Well, no, I mean, there is like the, <laughs> you can make a logical argument that, you know, there's a reason to have, especially in the primaries, you know, the candidate that people are most willing to stand around for three hours on a Tuesday evening for, because those are the people that, you know, that are going to that you're going to call upon to canvas, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, so like it's not like there's no logical argument for it. There's just no logical justification for it. Yeah, that's that's an excellent right. No, that, yeah, that that is that is a plus, but there's just so many minuses. Yeah, okay. Also, caucuses predate Twitter. Yeah, so. I was gonna say it was also <laughs> a system created when they were like, oh, what? So just everyone in the fucking room gets a piece of paper. Be realistic, Higgleforth. <laughs> Let's have a caucus about whether we're doing paper. Rabble, 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 rabble. Murder, no paper. Okay, great. Let's uh, move ahead to New Hampshire then. What is everybody's take on the New Hampshire results? I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Congrats to Bernie Sanders. Winner in New Hampshire. Good stuff. Buttigieg in second place. Um, what do you guys think? Pros and cons of the New Hampshire results. Are we really doing the Mayor Pete thing? <laughs> not a mayor. Go Look, ahead. I mean, I'll do the goddamn Mayor Pete thing. Like, he's the not Trump guy, yada, yada, yada. I'll do that if that's what we're doing. But, like, he's, he's aged, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's literally, and literally, you could you make the argument that it, do you mean he's too old or too young when you say that? <laughs> that would be that would be too young. Heath, you're you're just a babe in this com- particular okay. comparison. Yes, but look, I, my point is like if he got on this call, you could make a pretty good argument that he would be the third most qualified person <laughs> on the call to be president. Hey, hey. Feel like the a- third most qualified <laughs> person on the call. I think we all know the ranks. <laughs> Sorry, Eli, you and I don't make the contest. <laughs> you know, I actually think New Hampshire was was pretty bad for, for Mayor Pete, right? I mean, it, it, yes, he he outperformed his polling numbers, but it really looks like the Biden folks are starting to to jump ship to Klobuchar. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and also my friend George calls her the Klobocop. That's which I think is just it's such, <laughs> that's an amazing nickname and I, I want that to spread. So uh uh yeah so pro uh biden is toast uh con we're looking at a best case scenario of the democrats headed to a brokered convention like look it's uh, there are a lot of cons yeah so i do like right. i do like that biden has decidedly lost in two different contests now that's good as long as he doesn't turn around and win in fucking south carolina and muddle his shit which up he more. very well might i yeah yeah i don't know yeah i that never works though right i mean like right no, no you're right you're right we're talking about what 20 something delegates out of the 
1991 you need it's 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 1.38% of the population in these two states I, it's okay that there you go so it's not yeah. that whatever's happened so far is not that big of a deal i know it's like somewhat predictive you know uh bill clinton's the only person who didn't get a win in iowa or new hampshire and went on to become president recently but still it's not like a perfect predictor so like Shit's no. not done. Well, and and, and uh, Clinton's second place victory in Iowa was spun as it was, you know, was exactly. Yeah. He was the Buddha judge of 1992. Right. Yes, right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. He came out and said, I'm the comeback kid. Yeah, it, it was. That was effectively a win. OK. Oh, Eli, you got you got some pros and cons on New Hampshire. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, OK. Pro. Uh, and I think this is for all of us. Since my first choice candidate lost. I think now I get to spend the rest of the election cycle shitting on everything about the electoral process, right? <laughs> Even though I I couldn't make a peanut butter sandwich without a self-care day first, and then eventually I get to not vote in a huff and resign the people I pretend to care too much about to unimaginable suffering, right? Isn't that what I get to do now? That's a pro. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's nice. Con, con, and I mean this, we grow ever closer to the day when I have to bite down on a leather strap and vote for Mayor Pete like I'm undergoing Civil War surgery. <laughs> yeah, we will literally you shoot a Facebook Live video with Noah and Heath guiding me in a Hannibal Lecter-esque straitjacket <laughs> to the poll so I can slam Pete Buttigieg's name with my head. I don't care. Send me a tweet, an email. I will send you a nice leather strap on Amazon. Anybody who needs one. I like yeah. I have plenty of reservations about Mayor Pete, but I have a lot I like a lot of things about Mayor Pete too. It would point being in the general, it would be fucking fantastic if he won. If I could take that right now, oh, I'd sure. take it in a second. Sure. I, oh, absolutely, yes. I thought you were gonna say I have a lot of reservations about Mayor Pete, but I also have a lot of nice leather straps. I I, <laughs> I do. I'm ready. I will give I'll give you my best one if you need it. God damn it. Okay, um, moving on to a slightly different topic, but this I think is pretty important. A recent poll shows that all the top Democrats would beat Trump head to head, but some by more than others. It's a decent sized range. Bloomberg is actually in first place in that poll. We're, we're going to call him a Democrat for, for now. Um, he's projecting, Bloomberg is, he's projecting to beat Trump by the most out of all the, the major Democratic candidates. But Bernie was up there, too. So it's not just about being a centrist that gets you good head to head numbers on, on Trump in this poll. So question for you guys. How much should that type of data matter to voters during the primaries? Do you think that's important? Good question. Well, so I hate to be this guy, but I I reject the premise. It's right? not really the, rejectable. The, this is all based on the <laughs> idea that someone who voted for Trump will do a thing that is reasonable. And so I reject it. I reject it. That doesn't reject the premise. Instead, I propose this. The election was won and lost by third party and non-voters. So for me, this question about like who's going to go up against Trump is which candidate is least likely to cause voters who should know better to stay home in a huff while babies sit in cages. Okay, so then it's fucking great news that Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire. That's what, seriously, it's fucking great news. Yeah, for me. I mean, I I agree with that last part that it is, in in that sense, the least likely to cause non-voters, yeah. And and, and let me throw some uh, freezing cold water on that and lose us some more patrons while we're at it, okay? (laughs) Um, Look, the reason, and 
And I say this as somebody who has a degree in political communication, right, who I I studied the way these kinds of polls are taken, right? The reason why Bernie is polling well in head-to-head matchups is that literally no one has ever run a negative attack race against him with any kind of effort ever. And if you're a Bernie supporter and you can't and you can't deal with that, like I, it, I, I'm, I'm super sorry about that. But like Hillary Clinton didn't take him particularly seriously and never took off the gloves with respect to Bernie Sanders in 2016. He's never faced a competitive race in Vermont. Um, it it hmm. most Americans don't realize that Bernie self-identifies as a Democratic socialist, which, by the way, among Democrats polls somewhere south of Ebola, right? Like, and I, yeah, which is terrible. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Not the good Ebola. De- I, Demi- right? well, <laughs> I meant yeah. the Democratic <laughs> socialist is a great thing that people yeah. should be fucking happy about, but they're not. Yeah. You well, are correct. Right, right, That's, but yeah, exactly. It's the, literally the only thing that polls worse than atheist. Than atheist, yes. <laughs> yeah. it, it, Harris X has been tracking this. That's a reputable polling organization. It's not part of the corporate shill, whatever. Like, they, they ask one question on their polls, and they've been doing this for at least five years quote would you ever and they underline the ever great vote for a socialist for public office and the last batch of numbers and again these you know predate iowa new hampshire but like by a couple of weeks were no from 72 percent of voters and 63 percent of democrats what right so yeah two-thirds of democrats would two-thirds of democrats say i would never vote for a socialist so look if you didn't like the fact that Hillary Clinton had a 53% negatives in 2016, and I sure as fuck didn't like that, then maybe, just maybe, you want to be a tiny bit nervous about nominating someone who's potentially 20 points worse than that. And by the way, like, the Democrats are social, like, that's already part of the Trump rhetoric, right? Like, you don't even have right. to teach him yeah, a new word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, no, that's important because socialist would have been a tricky one for him if he didn't already know right. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so get, swinging back to the original question, though, about these polls that show how much Bloomberg would win by and how much Buttigieg would win, the, the fucking polls said that Hillary was going to beat him day of. Right. Yep. Yeah. The, the polls showed Biden getting through Iowa and New Hampshire without looking like Bugs Bunny just offered him a fucking cigar. <laughs> polls about how a candidate would do at the end of a campaign that hasn't happened yet are worse than worthless. So yep. I would put zero. I would put less than zero stock in those polls. Dukakis plus 17 in 1988 coming out of the Democratic National Convention. Let's get Bernie in a tank or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or mayor pete uh, mayor someone? pete's been in oh god tanks yeah. probably that's can we can we do a quick lightning round on that which democratic candidate would look the least stupid in a tank uh, <laughs> tulsi gabbard yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah she's that's been right in some yeah i was gonna say too. bernie sure ain't winning that yeah. one that one is definitely rigged against bernie <laughs> how do i turn the air on in here <laughs> <laughs> all right <sighs> well i mean yeah, I think it's important that Bernie didn't get vetted nationally last time around. I hope it doesn't go badly for him, but I'm sure there's a whole bunch of stuff besides just the word socialist that the GOP kept in its pocket when 
Hillary got nominated and they were like, oh, we'll save that just in case. You know, we didn't need to use that. Yeah. And not just stuff that's going to scare the Republicans. Right. And not even shit that's just going to scare the soft Democrats. There's some stuff that the hard Democrats, the far left is going to be pretty pissed off on them uh, once they really start to learn all about his, his record on guns and shit like that. So, yeah, he's he's kind of turned the corner on guns. But yes, yeah, so he's definitely got a eh. that's a, a spot in his record that I personally don't like at all. I like almost everything yeah. else about Bernie. But and and look. The, the obvious comparison here uh, and and the correct one, in my view, is 2016 Republican primary and no individual Republican was willing until it was way too late to really do anything other than pull their punches against Trump. Um, you, you have to look around and see if uh, the other candidates are willing to vet on those issues and, mm. uh, you know, that. That's that it, it, we either have right the because, you know, what what killed the Republicans in 2016 with respect to Trump was sort of a, a, a tragedy of the commons situation. Right. Like nobody wanted to be the person to go first to attack Trump yeah, because right. they all thought, well, this guy's going to flash out and I want mm -hmm. all of his voters to come to me. And if I'm mean, then his voters won't come to me. And so, you know, nobody did the work that they needed to do. And uh, and here we are. Uh, that's a good point. So just in terms in terms of this poll that I mentioned, you guys are thinking, okay, well that's not a, it's not a good time to put stock in a poll like that. We 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 don't have enough information. But more generally, do you think electability is an important consideration for voters at the primaries? Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take this. I I think there are really three sort of dimensions that are important to me and important to 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 inform voters and sort of how Space. you balance that what, <laughs> what? time space-time is that what you said <laughs> those are the first two dimensions I got it. <laughs> okay first two dimensions uh, are space and time hmm? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't talked for a little bit my time. <laughs> right yeah no I just, it's been all right I'll, I'll no please Eli go, go ahead thank you space-time and X. There's those are the dimensions <laughs> yep. in case anyone's wondering. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and wrap it up? I think I just laid the groundwork, but you can explain how those dimensions apply. Andrew, electability yeah. is it important? Is it not important? Yeah. Primary. Well, so here's in my mind, here's what electability really means, right? Which is the only way in in general reelecting the question of whether to reelect an incumbent president is a referendum on the president. We know how that will turn out, right? Donald Trump is under the best of circumstances polling at about 42%, right? If if the if the question is do you want Donald Trump to be your president, a, an overwhelming majority of Americans, particularly in this day and age, are like uh, hell no, absolutely not. And so if that's the question of the 2020 election, then Trump will lose and whichever Democrat will win. And so I think what's hiding behind, I'm not even going to go into my goddamn dimensions now, thanks to Eli, but I, I think what's hiding behind the electability question is if we nominate this person, can Donald Trump make the race not about Donald Trump? Can he make it about something else? Mm -hmm. And that's that's sort of it's it's kind of the the differing, you know, how you assess the risks on that. And and look, every single candidate has something that you could say, well, Donald Trump could make it about X. Right. It, it just I 
don't think it's, they're all it's equivalent. It's this really weird mm. situation where, like, you know how they'll always say, like, you know, how somebody's polling against the generic Democratic candidate? Like, this is the one time where that's <laughs> the guy judge. we want. Right. We <laughs> want the, the generic sort Democratic of androgynous candidate. silhouette with the question mark in it. That's who we want this yeah, time. Yeah, where's Martin yeah. O'Malley? Can we get him back just for a second? <laughs> just to be like, regular white guy. I don't know. I don't want a white guy. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that explains Buttigieg winning Iowa. And I, I can't, why, why don't I alienate every supporter of every candidate? In this? <laughs> like, I, but it's true, no, just, right? Like, just I the most it. popular ones. Is yeah, all, right, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Well, well, there it goes 60 percent. Oh, and I call Klobuchar Klobocop. So I, I think that's, uh, <laughs> about, that's about 80 percent of the electorate right now. I, so she, she put uh, she put together an impressive uh, New Hampshire campaign, though. It was good work. Absolutely. Got to give her credit. Absolutely. And I, I loved listening to Liz Warren give her credit. That was, uh, it was a good speech for somebody who clearly didn't do as well as she expected in New Hampshire. But if I can speak to electability for a second, I actually do think those third party and edge case voters are going to be important, which is part of why I've been encouraged by Bernie. All those concerns are valid. But like the question that comes up for me when it comes to true electability is what are Bernie's supporters going to do if he wins? Are they going to roll out and get people voting? Are they going to apply to those, you know, those edge districts? Are they going to do that? Or are they going to sit in the largely liberal havens that make up his support and say that everyone who doesn't vote for him is an idiot? Because that's what we did in 2016. That's what I'm worried about. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's Pete Buttigieg, I think, in the, in one of the debates made the point that like, hey, we're all going to get painted as socialists no matter what. I think that's a good point. But I think electability somewhat matters. Perhaps that poll's not a good way to look at it, though. All right. Let's let's just move on. Um, do you guys see us getting a brokered convention based on what you've seen so far? Don't know what that is. So definitely not. <laughs> I, I would. I mean, given that, like the the again, the one point three six percent that's had their say so far, I think that's as at least as likely as any candidate that I could name as as winning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew, what do you think? So we going to broker convention? It, it in my view, the the way in which a brokered convention happens is Andrew. Yeah. Andrew, what's <laughs> yeah. a brokered convention? <laughs> so Eli, I googled it. Yeah, they're two thousand nine hundred and ninety-one delegates. So, and they all go that like they they get together in a room to vote for who the nominee is, and the nominee has to get fifty point one percent of those, right? And so, if no person has fifty point one percent, that's what they call a brokered convention. Mm. And that's when those <laughs> uh, those shill super delegates come in, and we cheat the election, right? Well, that that assumes the the super delegate, right? Like the the combination, right? Because the the twenty nine ninety one number includes the delegates that are allocated as a result of uh, the various state primaries and caucuses, and also super delegates, which which were uh, this is another terrible result from twenty sixteen. Like I, I get the 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 criticism that it's undemocratic or whatever, but like that. That's the bulwark that the Democratic Party has against a Donald Trump, right? Exactly. Like, right. I can't believe that coming out of the 2016 primary, people were like, boy, superdelegates, that's just a, a definitely a bad idea. Who would want those? Yeah. Yeah. Right. When we just saw what happened to the goddamn Republicans for not having them. Right. We'd yeah. have which yeah. this I mean, not great, but we'd have like. Marco Rubio or John Kasich if they right, had superdelegates right. in the Republican Party. Jeb or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And let's I mean, that also kind of talks about the 
the the the politics of of your nominee in general, right? Like when it came down to you know, sort of the last two Republicans that were standing were Trump and my good buddy Ted Cruz, right? W- what I said publicly was, I-, I want the Republican nominee to be Ted Cruz, right? Not because yeah. I honestly thought Donald Trump could win. I, I didn't. I'm famously and spectacularly wrong about that. Um, <laughs> but, but, but looking at it, right, like Trump had the highest variance under general conditions, which were true in 2016 and which are going to be true again in 2020, where the underlying demographics favor your party. You want the other side to put up the candidate that has the smallest possible variance. Right. You want to know exactly. What, and, and if they'd nominated Ted Cruz, right, Hillary Clinton would have curb stomped Ted Cruz because there was no chance Ted Cruz was winning Wisconsin. Right. So, uh, yeah, like that. It, it, it just feels like nobody learns any lessons from any elections ever which you know was kind of the whole reason i started doing podcasting with explaining the 2000 bush v gore election and saying yeah i could i just want to point out right a a million disaffected liberals enough to swing the election went out and said al gore was not liberal enough for me well and the nice thing is that the, the the iraqi people who died because of that are dead and therefore can't really complain about the decision that they made. That's true. All right, so fun, very very possible broker convention. No learning lessons ever. America's doing great. Um, quick answer: Who do you guys want to see in a debate with Trump? If you had a first choice, honestly, I think Buttigieg would kick his ass most decisively, like in the way that would get under Trump's skin the most, or either that or or Bloomberg. Yeah, I, I think Buttigieg would be a great debater. I agree with you on that. Oh, Bloomberg could pull the whole, like, I'm a real billionaire thing. Yeah, I guess it was just <laughs> Actually, about yeah. that. Bloomberg that maybe, yeah, too. I, I, think yeah. I, I think I'm persuaded on Bloomberg. Good good, good point. All right. Timothy Bethesda. <laughs> Tim Ryan? Ryan. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't hide behind his podium at some point, <laughs> do push-ups with me. Push-up contest right now. Let's do it. Punch me in the stomach as hard as <laughs> All right. And uh, follow-up question. Does Trump do the debates this year? Does he even do them? Uh, that's an awesome. That is such a good question because it, it never occurred to me that that he would not. And the second you asked that, I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's three to one that he doesn't. <laughs> OK, right. so, well, maybe so OK, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, so th- there's that. But then there's like, would he pass up? On that level of spotlight, could he? Because like, there's no reason for him to do it. Like, there's he's not required to do it. There's it's just tradition. We saw how we see how much you know how important that is to him. But could he pass up on that spotlight, especially in such a way that's like, it obviously looks like he was afraid to do it. I don't know. Yeah, but he he could just go back and sit on the toilet and get on Twitter and be like, ha ha ha, <laughs> dumb Pocahontas showed up for a debate, but I didn't. I right, showed her. Yeah. <sighs> All right, yeah, good <laughs> good chance he just doesn't show up. That's not a bad strategy on his part, honestly. He's an idiot, so there's that. All right, let's get a couple predictions going. First of all, predictions for near term, the rest of this month. Who wins the Nevada caucuses? Who wins the South Carolina primary? Go. Uh, okay, well, as loath as I am to predict this, I think the same candidate is going to win those two that won the last two, uh, Mike Bloomberg. yeah uh okay i'll say uh i think i think sanders wins nevada and um 
I don't know who's going to win South Carolina, but I'm comfortable predicting that it won't be Joe Biden, even though he thinks it's his Alamo or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Eli, what do you think? Uh, same answer for both, actually. Dark horse, write-in candidate, <laughs> Timothy <laughs> Ryan. Yes. <laughs> All right. And one last thing. Final predictions. Who's going to be the Democratic nominee for president? And uh, a couple follow-ups. Who do you think is going to be their pick for VP? And who do you think is going to win the general election? If you really want to get fancy... How many electoral votes each in that general oh, election? Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Right. I will go first. Uh, Ibid. <laughs> so you didn't want to get fancy. <laughs> Tim Ryan's going to get right Tim there. Ryan amount of votes and Tim Ryan for mm-hmm. VP. Got it. Yeah. He's the Jeremy Perriman. And he's going to Tim Ryan the general election. Thanks, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's really, he is genuinely going to Tim Ryan the election. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. No, that's true. I, I was just picturing Eli as the like the end of being John Malkovich, only it's not John Malkovich, it's Tim, <laughs> Tim Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. I was picturing that, but like Smurf versions of Tim Ryan. Just Smurf, Smurf, <laughs> Smurfing, Smurf, oh, Ryan, okay. Smurf. Right. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, it's such a goddamn mess that I... I, I, I believe contested convention is actually leading on 538 right now. So since we're throwing darts anyway, fuck it. I'm sticking with Liz, right? <laughs> I, well, no, but look, she's like being a lot of people's second choice, like being the most Sanders-like thing that establishment pr- people could get behind might be what matters the most at the end of this. Um, I say regardless of who wins, their veep is Stacey Abrams. Oh, that'd be great. And I say this because I have to say this. Uh, to get to sleep at night between now and November. I, I just, I simply have to say this. That Democratic ticket, whatever it is, wins by an overwhelming majority because all the decent Americans who stayed home last time because the polls told them it was in the fucking bag and all the decent Americans who never thought it mattered who the president was actually know better this fucking time. And we see the greatest goddamn turnout this country has ever seen. And Donald Trump actually does draw the biggest fucking crowd in presidential history for a change to vote him the fuck out of office. <laughs> all right. 367 to 170. That's my oh, give it a score. Numbers so. down. Excellent. It's going to be so amazing if you hit that exactly. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Especially since I didn't, like, check to make sure that was doable exactly. (laughs) Well, that that also includes one electoral vote, like just writing in Tim Ryan or something. Oh, right, yeah. Probably not going to nail that one then, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it'd be so cool if he gets it now somehow. Oh, yeah, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah, my bad. I'm going to change it to... I'm, I'm giving that one to fucking... To my theoretical Democrat, three sixty-eight to one seventy. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> oh well, th- uh, then then I guess can I can I do the uh, prices right rules like one dollar? Five thirty-seven, five thirty-six. Yeah. Uh, I. You know what? I I had a whole bunch of analysis here, but but uh, I I just I just want to line up and and salute and run Noah's uh, last speech up the flagpole. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say on that. <laughs> All right. I guess on that happy would we say happy note? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, whatever that was, we're gonna close it That's out. That's the now. happiest fucking note this show's gonna close on in the <laughs> year of 2020. So. It's all downhill from here, folks. We're going to keep talking about politics in 2020. So on that note, we're going to close it out until next time. Thanks to No Illusions. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. Thanks to Andrew Torres. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, 
and send us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like all the people who recently started donating, whose beautiful dicks and vaginas will certainly be recognized by name on the next show. So if you name your dick or your vaginas, let us know. And we'll name it, apparently, is what I just promised to do. Everyone does that, right? That's that's not weird. Whoa! <laughs> Eli names his woof. Okay. <laughs> and whether or not you're feeling Noah, did you want to jump in? I thought you were. I thought you were gonna interrupt no, with your name actually. for your <laughs> genital. No, no. Okay. And whether or not you're feeling financially like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher. All those other podcast apps, or, of course, the deep web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide, or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, Tim Ryan 2020. Tim Ryan 2020. They should literally release the flu shot and be like, here's a coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are stabbing themselves with two. They should be doing that with <laughs> MMR and fucking all of them, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll say, Guys, we just figured out the cure to more Gellin's disease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Policy genius. We'll always get the future wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can never do it. I was never, I practiced. I thought, you had it. I thought you had it. I thought I did too. Yeah, sorry, Heath. My mic was pointed the other way, so you're gonna get like a weird swinging <laughs> mic. Boom right, thing. and right now I'm gonna get you talking about it. So silence okay. starting now. What if you fucked yourself? <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.